Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 15 called Redemptive Suffering. All right, we're going to return to the book of Job. We're in chapter 15. We're talking about redemptive suffering. If you have not been with us, the book of Job is just before the book of Psalms. So that's how you can always remember where Job is, okay? So we're, we're talking about redemptive suffering as we will study Job chapter 15 tonight. This is a phrase that I've tried to put into your mind as we've been studying the book of Job to ask some questions about why the book of Job is even in our Bible. Why is it there? What purpose does it serve? And we're going to explore that as we explore the book of Job tonight, Father, as we are locating the text and just kind of settling in now to shift our attention to your living word. I pray that your living word, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, would pierce to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Nobody's hidden from your sight, Lord. Everything is naked and open before the one to whom we must give an account. And thank you that the book of Job is in our Bibles to show us that there's something deeper we need to see about suffering. It is certainly not our favorite subject. It is something that most of us would admit that we, we don't uh, enjoy and we typically run from it. But it is a part of the Christian experience and it's really a part of the human experience all people in some way will suffer. Making sense of the suffering, uh, making sense of the problem of evil and the power of the gospel and how the two intersect is what we've been looking at as we've studied this majestic book of Job. I pray that you'll help me to get out of your way and that you'll speak to your people, those who know you, those who may not know you, those who are shut-ins and they listen but they can't come here. They may be suffering right now from a malady that keeps them from traveling or even leaving their home or even their bed. But they've joined us on this journey in Job to see what you have to say to them. And I pray that you'd minister to every soul who will hear this study tonight, that you would, uh, you would speak. It would not be the voice of a man, but your voice through your word to your glory. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. As we move through the book of Job, we've discovered that the purpose of this book is to show something deeper than a single man's suffering and restoration. If you never read through the book of Job, uh, let me steal the end for you for a second. I'll ruin the end of the movie. Uh, Job does get restored. He does make it. He doesn't die. His life flourishes again. God restores uh, twofold back to him and he enjoys a good long life, and he sees uh, many generations. And uh, in the midst of his suffering, he couldn't have imagined that that's what would happen to him. And I know for any of you who have ever suffered to one degree or another, sometimes in the middle of suffering, the questions that we ask are, Lord, what's going on? And then we ask, is this ever gonna end? Sometimes it seems like our suffering uh, doesn't have a stopping point. We can't see our way through it. And that's part of what we go through, and it's part of our faith. 
Now, we went, we went through the Gospels together. Some of you went uh, through the Gospel of Mark with us, for example. And we were watching Jesus minister on the earth. We learned something about Jesus' miracles. And I tried to plant this idea in your brain as well, that Jesus' miracles were also parables. He did real healings of real people with real sicknesses and real maladies. But on a deeper level, Jesus' miracles were also parables. You may ask, how so, Pastor Michael? Here's how. His miracles were often conveying a deeper spiritual idea than just the healing on the surface. You guys realize that everybody Jesus healed on the earth ended up dying (laughs) of their last disease. Even Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead, even the little girl that he said, little girl, awake or arise, they lived and died. But Jesus' work in their life was not limited to just a physical healing. People that he touched, for example, with leprosy became a picture, that leprosy was a picture of sin and how it eats away at a life and how Jesus, when he touches a life, can restore it. Uh, Jesus' healing of the paralytic at the pool of Bethesda becomes a picture of spiritual paralysis, a man who made poor decisions and he ended up crippled because of them. And Jesus says to the man, do you want to get well? Well, how could anybody say to a man in a condition that long, do you want to get well? What do you mean, do I want to get well? Of course I want to get well, but every time I try to get in the water, somebody gets in before me. Of course I want to get well. What kind of question is that? But then on a deeper level, we ask the question, some people, do they want to get well? Do they really want to overcome an addiction? Do they really want to overcome a lifestyle that's been hurting and wounding not only them, but those around them? Do you want to get well? That's what Jesus asked the man. And on and on it goes in his miracles, they were pointing to spiritual blindness. He opens the eyes of the blind or uh, crippling spiritually and he raises that person up or what sin can do to the creation. Jesus would do miracles like calming the storm, casting demons out of people to show his power. But he was doing something on a deeper level. I bring this up so that you and I can understand simply this, that Job's suffering and redemption and the questions asked in between are something deeper that you and I need to see. And it is this idea, would you all look up for a second, of redemptive suffering. Now, I'm not saying that all suffering I can make sense of or I can always put the, you know, the lines together. Oh, that, that's why this happened. Now I can see that result. I'm not telling you that I understand all the angles of it. I'm just telling you that the book of Job teaches it. And here's the main thought that you and I need to understand. Job is a picture of Jesus. Job is an innocent sufferer. Now, he's not perfectly innocent, but he's described as blameless in Job 1.1. God says, have you considered my servant Job? He is righteous. He is blameless. There's nobody like him. Jesus will show up thousands of years later, and he will be completely innocent, completely blameless, never sinned, and he will suffer. And many people ask questions about Jesus' suffering. In fact, you'll remember people walk by the cross and they wag their head at Jesus and they said, you who said you would destroy the temple in three days, come down from the cross and we'll believe in you. As Jesus was suffering on the cross, the religious leaders, you who said you were the son of God, come down now from the cross and we'll 
believe in you. You want to talk about righteous, redemptive suffering? If there's ever a picture of redemptive suffering, it's in the cross. Jesus suffered once for all, the just for the unjust to do what? To bring us to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, 1 Peter 3.18. See, this is the idea. Jesus is the greater Job. Now, does Job know that he foreshadows Jesus in the book of Job? No, he doesn't. Isn't that the problem? Isn't that what, where I need faith to help me navigate my life when I don't understand, when I can't put all the dots together? From my perspective, from Job's perspective, he knows nothing of the debate that's happened in the heavenlies. He doesn't know that Satan has told God he will curse you to your face if you pull the hedge from him. The only reason he worships you is because of what you've done for him. You've blessed his life. But pull the rug out from under his feet and watch what he does. Job does not know that. You know that because you've read chapter one and chapter two. Job does not know that. And that's where faith comes in. And that's what's so hard about faith because we walk by faith and not by sight. See, I want to see all the angles of everything. I would like to be able to look at it from five different angles and then assess how I would, you know, navigate that or, you know, settle on my response to whatever I'm facing. See, the Messiah has come to deal with our ultimate issues, and he knows that sometimes the best way to deal with them is to put us in situations where the only way that we can look is up. And some of you may be asking tonight, could my suffering be redemptive? Because I can read the book of Job and say, fine, that that applied to a man thousands of years ago, but does it still apply today? Isn't that the big question we're all asking because if my suffering is meaningless, see, that's, that's what most people struggle with in the world. You know, Barna did one of his famous research polls and he asked Americans, if you could ask God one question, if you had an audience with God and you could ask him one question, what would you ask? And the bulk of the people, the major percentage of respondents said, I would ask God why there's so much evil and suffering in the world. You see, this is the book of Job. And I want to apply it back to you and me and ask the question, is it possible that my suffering could be redemptive? And I think it is. I'm going to show you a passage in Philippians. Uh, hold a place in the book of Job. We'll return because I know we haven't even done a verse yet of chapter 15. But you guys are used to that. Philippians chapter 1. Uh, Paul is in uh, some form of Roman imprisonment at this point in his life. He's writing to the church at Philippi a precious letter that many of us have treasured over the years. And he writes these words. This is Philippians 1, 12 through 14. He says, now I want you to know, brethren, my circumstances, Philippians 1, 12, have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel so that my imprisonment, Philippians 1, 13, in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren, or the church, Philippians 1.14, trusting in the Lord because of what? Because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a long-time listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Paul is in uh, some form of Roman imprisonment at this point in his life. He's writing to the church at Philippi, a precious letter that many of us have treasured over the years. And he writes these words. This is Philippians 1, 12 through 14. He says, now, I want you to know, brethren, my circumstances, Philippians 1, 12, have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel so that my imprisonment, Philippians 1.13, in the cause of Christ, has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren, or the church, Philippians 1.14, trusting in the Lord because of what? Because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. I want you to flip down all the way to verse 27. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. In no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them but salvation for you and that too from God, 129 Philippians. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but what's your Bible say? But also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. What do you mean, Paul? Paul would say, here's what I mean. I ended up in Roman imprisonment. I got a chance to share with the guards But as I was in that prison, in my own suffering, other people in the church stepped up, became more bold to share the word of God, and there was a positive benefit. Now, none of us, if we were in Paul's sandals and we got interviewed by a Christian magazine, would say, yeah, I'm really enjoying the prison environment. It really seems to suit me. (laughs) I don't think we'd say that. I think we'd say on a human level, hey, I want to get out of here as soon as possible. But do you see what Paul is saying? He's saying on a, on a level beneath the suffering, 
God is using it. He's exploiting it for his good purposes, not only in my life, but in the lives of others that are watching. See, the religious friends of Job's, uh, the so-called comforters cannot fathom. They are religious people, but they cannot conceive of this concept of redemptive suffering. They cannot fathom that their friend's suffering is revealing something else that God is wanting to convey to them and a wider audience. So that every time they respond to Job's situation or his words or his struggle, they miss the point again and again and again. And I wonder how many times I've missed the point. I wonder how many times God's taken me through a season that I consider difficult, I didn't like, but God's saying to me, but Michael, I'm doing something. I'm teaching you to rely upon me more. I'm teaching you levels of faith. I'm teaching you how to lean into me in the good times and the bad. And you may not realize this, but I'm also teaching people who are watching you as you go through your own struggle. You see, God's always working on multiple levels that I cannot see. And once again, that's where my faith comes in. You see, the point is this, that Job's suffering was revealing a deeper spiritual battle in the heavenlies. There's an enemy bent on destroying God's people. And that suffering will have a major place in the final resolution of that battle. Because I submitted to you that Jesus is the greater Job the ultimate dilemma of mankind will be settled, resolved by the suffering of the most innocent one that's ever lived. Everybody with me so far? This is what the book of Job is trying to say to us. That somewhere beneath the veil, behind the, behind the veil, beneath what I normally look at, God works. And no, I can't make sense of all of it. And yes, I have questions like you do. 1 Corinthians 1.23 says, we preach Christ crucified. It's a stumbling block to the Gentiles. Literally, it's a scandal. It's scandalous. It's foolishness to them. But for us who are being saved, Christ is the power of God. Every time I'm up here, I have to remember that some people will deem my preaching to be foolishness, but that's not what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about getting the message of Christ to people who can be conformed or namely transformed by the power of God. For the Jews, the cross was a scandal. Cursed is anyone who hangs upon a tree. How could the Messiah die in this way? No way. Jesus, you know, he's doing his ministry on the earth and they say to him, by what authority do you do these things? And Jesus says, I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. You answer one question from me, for me. Was John's baptism from the Lord or from man? They did their little huddle up. Huddle up, everybody huddle, huddle, huddle. If we, say, if we say it was from God, then they would say, why aren't we following? Why didn't we follow John? If we say it's from man, then we're in trouble too. So what should we do? We don't know. They said, we can't say it's from man because all the people respected and lauded John so they were in a, quite a quandary. Ready, break, we don't know. Then neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. <laughs> don't you love Jesus? Just putting people in their place. I'll answer your question, you answer one question from me. 
You see, for many people, and this may be true in your life, you present the gospel to your friends and they say, what does a man dying on a cross 2,000 years ago have to do with my life today? What does that mean? Why should I care? Oh, here's why. The one dying on the cross is God in human flesh. And the reason he's dying on the cross is because we in big trouble. You see, the wages of our sin is death. And so he dies the death on the cross that we deserve to die, takes the wrath of God for us. Do you think that concerns every person? Yes. But until they understand the gospel, they're not going to see their need. All right, if you're still in the New Testament, turn over to Matthew 16. Not even the disciples could conceive of redemptive suffering. Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things, Matthew 16, 21, from the elders and the chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised on the third day. Peter took him aside, 1622 Matthew. He began to rebuke him and said, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you, never. But he turned to Peter. He turned and said to Peter, get behind me, who? Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. This is important for us to think about if we find ourselves in a season of suffering. Peter doesn't want Jesus to suffer. Peter says, uh, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, right at this moment, you've become a spokesperson for Satan, just like Job's wife did. In what sense? God's purposes are going to be achieved through my suffering. You've been listening to Redemptive Suffering, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 15. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, just so you know, we have free apologetic events coming up and we'd love it if you joined us. They're called 633 and that's based off of Matthew 633. Pastor Michael invites special guests, professionals in their fields to talk about hard topics that affect the culture. In the past, we've had guest speakers that have talked about the issues of racism, the COVID-19 pandemic, suicide, and how we as Christians can talk about those issues. You can watch those talks and many others on our free Living Truth app. And having the app on your phone or tablet will help because you'll be the first to know the details about our upcoming events. If you live outside California, you'll still be able to be a part of our 633 events because we live stream them. And with the app, you can participate in our question and answer portion of the event. Learn more about 633 when you download the Living Truth app. It's the one with the red logo with the pillars or by visiting walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, as we consider this idea of redemptive suffering, that suffering actually has redemptive qualities, someone might say, ah, no, thank you. (laughs) But you know what? In every, no matter what your worldview is, we all have to deal with suffering. Isn't it good to know that in the Christian faith, having a biblical worldview, suffering can be redemptive? You say, well, how do you know that, Pastor Michael? Because we know that God is sovereign. And so even when we suffer, it's still going through the filter of God's love in our lives. 
And so that's why we can have hope even as we suffer. In fact, some of our suffering is even, according to Peter, necessary because it builds in us faith. Now, we may not like it, but it does refine our faith and it gives us hope and and it even can have an impact on other people. We can share in the sufferings of Christ and even have that be a testimony to others. And so I would just say to you that if you're going through some suffering right now and we're all going to at some point, I pray that that idea of redemptive suffering will give you hope. Well, I'd like to take a moment to uh, thank some new financial partners, uh, part of our Walk in Truth family. We have Joy from Lakewood. We have George from Valencia. Debbie from Layton, Utah, who's become a monthly partner. And Kevin from the Inland Empire, also becoming a monthly partner. And I just want to tell you, from the team at Walk in Truth, from my own heart, thank you. Because every time someone becomes a partner or gives, it gives us more of an opportunity to impact lives like yours. So you can become a monthly partner as well. When you go to walkintruth.com, you can just follow some of the directions there and you can become a monthly partner or give a one-time gift. We appreciate it. We love you. We're so glad that you're listening. Tell a friend about what you're hearing and we'll catch you here next time. God bless. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. And it also helps us do our free apologetic events too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 15 called Redemptive Suffering. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.